difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call that the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now joining me on the, on the, on the line is Ben here. Well, he is going to be fighting once again. Uh, this time he is Danny Chavez. It's going to be February 20th, UFC Fight Night. It's, uh, uh, well, once again, he's looking to make it two in a row. This is after a very impressive fight this past year. I give you once again the man who is uh, an inspiration to all, not just a fighter, but a thespian as well. I'll give you Jared Gordon. Uh, Jared, uh, you, Danny Chavez, uh, it's a 145-pound fight. Uh, take it, take us to this fight. Uh, what is it, When you and your team break it down, what kind of fight are you expecting from Danny Chavez? Well, I mean, I think, you know, he wants to keep it standing. And Danny, <clears throat> I think he goes, you know, he goes for it. Uh, he likes the calf kick. He uh, throws hard punches. Sometimes they're you know, a little wide and wild. Uh, seems like he doesn't really like to get pressured too much. Uh, but I think, like, you know, he probably kn- knows that I'm going to look to take him down and beat him up. Um, so I'm sure he's working on keeping it standing. Um, but I'm ready for that as well. Um, so I think it's going to be, you know, kind of action-packed. should be fun. And um, he's a tough opponent. But I think uh, Stylus could match up well with him. I mean, when you have a guy like this, as you said, he, he's mostly a striker and he hates pressure. How much do, when you hear those words, how much do your ears light up going, okay, you know what? This should be, you know, this should be, a, I don't want to say an easy win, but this should be a decisive win. I, I have the advantage. I'm a guy who likes to bring pressure. I can take people down. You know, this is something where if, I, if everything goes right, I'm just going to beat him up till the cows come home. Yeah, I think, um, but I think that's with like, you know, most of the guys that I'll fight, um, if I take you down, I think that, you know, I've, there's a really good chance that I'm going to hold you there and I'm going to be able to uh, score a lot of points or or finish you there. So, I mean, I think, you know, it doesn't really matter who you are, what kind of stylistic fighter you are, even if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, I'm still going to look to take you down and beat you up there. Um, so I don't think it's like really any secret what, what I'm going to do, you know? We're going to go back to this fight in a bit. Take us back to your last fight, Bo. It was once again uh, you versus Chris Fishgold. I know you and I talked about this fight. You were coming off a loss. So how nice was it to get the win, uh, get a fight during COVID, which was has been causing chaos for everybody, and literally just you know, getting back into the swing of things? Uh, it was great, man. Um, you know, I, I think you know I was coming off my, a loss to Oliveira, who is ranked number three right now, I think. And you know, I should never been at at fifty five, anyways. So now I'm back at the weight class that I should have been in this whole time, one forty five featherweight. So you know, I'm ha- happy to be back down at at the correct weight class. And you know, I was able to get a dominant win over Chris, who you know, hasn't had the best, um, you know, go in the UFC. You know, I think he had one win. But, 
you know, it was just good to get back on my feet and it was a dominant win. So, um, you know, I think I show that I'm more elite than, than he was at least. And, you know, at 45, I think I'm a, you know, I, I deserve to be here and I deserve to be in the UFC. And I think I could, well, I know I could crack top 10 and make a, a run for it. Take us to everything that was going on. And I know at the time you, you, a lot of things were going, you know, campus and turmoil. I mean, as you said, we, as we know now, you, uh, your fiance was expecting tragedy hit. Uh, then, also, then she tested positive for coronavirus, and all the all the while, while this is going on, you had to go to camp, you had to train. Why? Why do that? Because because if you had said to Dana, "Look, I need time. I need to grieve. I need to literally get my house in order," nobody would would doubt you. Nobody would nobody would say, "Oh, well, you should you should you know, honor the contract." What made you go and fight? I mean, what was it about? You know, going into the octagon fighting for you, but it's like, okay, you know, even though all this crap is going on, I got to do it. You know, I needed, I needed to get back in the, in the win column. I, I felt good. Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, like my, my fiance's gym was closed. Uh, you know, we, I needed to make income. You know, we have bills, obviously, and, you know, lots of bills. So, you know, there was other things at, at play. Uh, but she, you know, she, she wanted me to go, you know, she wanted me to go fight and, and do what I do best. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of craziness obviously. And, but we got through it and, and I got the win. So it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was bittersweet ending to that chapter, you know, losing, losing the baby. And then, um, uh, she got COVID, you know, it was a mess, but, you know, we got through it and we, you know, I prove again that you can overcome obstacles, uh, do what you got to do as long as you put, you know, your best foot forward. Well, we spoke with Cody Stamen because I know his brother passed away and he ended up fighting. He, he said afterwards, though, well, he needed time because it just, hits you all of a sudden. The worst part of what you say when you're not fighting is afterwards you you have those time that you have that time off. You're, you're training, but you're not really, you know, going forward and you're just, the mind wanders. Uh, how tough have, let's say, the last six months been when all this stuff, you know, is, you know, is hit home. Coronavirus, as you said, your wife's, uh, your, your wife, you know, miscarriage, your... You know, her testing positive coronavirus. Businesses are suffering. Money's getting tight. For a guy like yourself who has been, you know, you've gone through everything and been some, how tough has these last months been for you just keeping the mental just strength, not just, you know, wandering, you know, wandering off the beaten path or going crazy or just basically just losing it? Well, I mean, you know, it was tough, but I've been through a lot worse. So this actually wasn't that bad for me, really. Um, it was probably worse for my fiance. Um, obviously it was a tragedy to lose, you know, I was expecting a child and I was very excited and, um, but these things happen, obviously, you know, uh, miscarriages are very common. So, you know, we grieved and we did what we had to do to, to get over it and, you know, to, to move on. And we did that and, you know, here we are. So, I mean, yeah, it was bad, but 
I've definitely been through the ringer. So um, I wouldn't say it was the worst thing that I've gone through, but it was, it was up there. But, you know, I was able to overcome it. So if you're just tuning in, we get Jared Flash Gordon here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, Chris Fishko. We're talking tragedies. We're talking inner strength. Uh, you've become an inspiration to a lot of people. And when I always say that is there's a lot of people I know who we I've only talked with. They have, you know, people said, hey, you know, they consider you, you know, ultimate role model because you've been through hell and back. You had to you know, change your life. You know, you were on drugs, you got off drugs, you have gone through all this here, you bounced back. What is that like, you know, when you have people who come up to you and go, hey, look, you're our inspiration. You're the reason why we're doing this or that. It might not even be MA, just living because you set the example. If you can overcome this, we can overcome this. You know, that you are basically somebody who is, you know, a big influence on their life. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the goal is to use my platform to help others and show them that, uh, you know, you can always make something of yourself no matter what uh, you've gone through or you're going through. So, I mean, that's the goal. And that's why I, I do this. That's why, I, you know, I have my platform, obviously, to make a living and, you know, to to reach personal goals is one thing. But really, it's, you know, there's a bigger picture. So, um you know, it's great when people will come to me and tell me that I help them, that I inspire them, and, and that's the goal, and that's what I want to keep doing. So I guess I'm doing, uh, guess I'm doing a decent job at that. Last year, as you mentioned before, everything you, you've opened up about a lot of things here, which means, you know, as you said, from the things that went on in your childhood to, you know, the drugs to you, know, you being a victim here. Is it safe to say that everything now you are just at a better place? You know, with you know, your new team with you know in Sanford MA with your fiance. Is it safe to say that now you are for the first time, I'm guessing in a long time, it's just you are now open about everything. There is nothing that can shock you. And for you, it's just I am mentally, you know, at the strongest I've ever been. Yeah, I think everything is like coming full circle and um certain things have been put in place that have really helped me and I've grown a lot uh, these last couple of months and years so, so I think uh, I think this is my time now you know I'm going to make a run for it and uh, I think I'm going to hit a I know I'm going to hit a big stride here and um, especially you know back at 145 and career wise I think uh, you know everything's going to turn out the way you know, I wanted it to turn out. So, uh, yeah, I feel great. And I uh, just can't wait to see what the future holds. I know when we first started talking with you a while back, you had said, oh, you, you felt great at 155 because you liked having the extra weight. You could, you know, do more muscle. Now you're back at 145. And as we've seen with especially the fish gold fight, it looks like, you know, you're a new man. I mean, how much has it helped? But as you said, everything is making – sense as the old adage goes you have the answers to the test you now know what to do you've been through this all you've been through hell mentally physically emotionally how much you know does it help this next run this new run at 145 that you just everything seems simpler now everything seems easier because you now know what the hell to do and you have the right people behind you yeah i think you know it's just i'm at the the weight class that i've always should have been at you know i'm not 
every time I fought at 55, I was the smaller guy. And I just feel like I could be more dominant. And, um, you know, when, at 55, I was, I was always smaller than everyone. But I was, you know, when I was better, I would win. When the guys started, when the guys were really big and they were also really, really good, it's like, how do I find the advantage here? So um, I think it's just, you know, that's why we have weight classes. So I finally got back there. Here I am. And, and that's it. 14 years. I mean, this will be your 14th year fighting either in the amateur or professional you know, region of mixed martial arts. It's been a long run here for you. You still love it. Why? Like, what is it about the sport where, and you've been through the ringer, you've been knockouts, you know, victories, injuries, uh, submissions, you know, you, you know, long weight, you know, camps where you've sucked weight, you've you probably, you know, had burns all over your body from the mat, you've probably been days where your fiance had to help you into the bed because there's a, a muscle pull here or there, you don't get paid that much compared to other things. Why do you, what makes you still love this sport? You know, MMA and gym, like what makes you still wake up in the morning and go, you know, I'm going to gym, I'm going to work out and train and just not hate it. Well, I am half brain dead. No, I'm just joking. Um, I think that, you know, everything is, I'm finally, I really feel like, you know, I'm the best I've ever been. And um, now it's finally paying off. I, I just got, after my, after the fish gold fight, I got another contract. I got a nice raise. So I'm actually at the point where, you know, I fight, you know, and I'm making what a, a some like a really good salary in one fight, you know? So, you know, if I fight two, three times a year, I'm in a pretty high tax bracket. So it's finally paying off like money wise. I'm only 32. It's not like I'm, you know, 37 yet. Uh, so I think, well, I know by the time I'm 34 or 35, I'll be making and being compensated the way I, sh I should be and what I deserve. And, uh, you know, then I'll go on to other things. But um, I feel like that I'm the best I ever have been. I'm, I'm at a team where I'm growing a lot. I'm with high-level training partners at, all day. I got all the coaches I need with me. And in my personal life everything is where it should be so you know i think now um, everything is coming full circle and this is my time to really do what i got to do here i gotta ask before i let you go have you thought about writing a book because it would probably be a bestseller because it as you said it's been full of more ups and downs and a roller coaster ride you know where just people who always look for inspiration you probably make a killing is that something you're planning to do because if you do that will probably sell more books than any, any other pro wrestler or pro MA fighter in the last 10, 15 years at least. Yeah, uh, we have things in the work, uh, in the works. So I'm just, uh, we're getting some stuff finalized. And, you know, what's crazy is that I'm still doing this. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm not retired. I'm, I'm not retiring anytime soon. So it's like, you know, I write a book now or make a movie and then it's like, I got to do another one or something. So, but we're, we're figuring everything out and I have some stuff in the works. So uh, hopefully, you know, in like a year, about a year, I'll be able to reveal more about that. But yeah, uh, of course I've thought about that and we're, we're, we're doing it. So it's coming. Excellent. Well, as they say in Hollywood, that's why they have sequels, but that's a whole different story, different day. Uh, yes. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, 
I give you uh, an inspirational fighter himself. I give you a Jared Flash Gordon. Uh, Jared, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Uh, where can fans contact you at? Uh, on Twitter, J Flash Gordon MMA. Instagram, Jared Flash Gordon. And my website is jaredflashgordon.com. Jared Gordon, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Uh, we come back, Bo. Well, we've got he's warming up in a bullpen. We have another guy here who you might have heard of, Jamel Heron. We're going to talk about that. While, but we have a whole lot more also coming up only on it is Last Call. Last Call is the alcohol. Only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And earlier we had, of course, Cody Stamen on the show. Very happy to, have, to see him fight again and well, wishing him best of luck. This man here will be fighting once again. It'll be February 27th, only in the UK. He'll be fighting Carl Frampton for the WBO Super Featherweight title. Well, he has eyes set on. But one thing he does not have yet, that's a win over a mainstream opponent, former champion. I give you once again, Semper Fi himself. I give you uh, Jamel Herring. Uh, Jamel, you've wanted this fight. You've begged for the fight almost, pleaded for, called him out. It's now happening. You, Carl Frampton. How happy are you about this? Um, I'm really happy because like you pointed out earlier, it's, a, um, it's a basically a notable name on my resume. So... Of course, in terms of um, legacy, that definitely means a lot. Um, Carl is a respected world champion, and I'm just excited that we finally got this um, fight um, on paper, pretty much. So break it down for me here. Uh, you've seen Carl Frampton because he's been on TV. You know his fights against Leo Santa Cruz. You, he fought one of the first ever CBS cards. I mean, it's Alejandro Gonzalez Jr. He's fought Scott Quigg, Nodio Donaire. What makes him dangerous? Like when you look at him, when you break him down, what is it about him and his style that makes him that good of a fighter? Um, you know, he, he could be he could, he's a real smooth boxer when he wants to be. You know, um, 
as he, he like I said, he, he's done great things, especially back in 2016. I believe he was the fighter of the year. And, he, and um, I, I always gave him respect. I always said that I'm a fan. But I, I believe in terms of um, you know, boxing wise, I believe he he can he can be our box, and I have I have the ability to outbox him. I know, but of course, uh, Brian McIntyre, you you and your team, you guys do a lot of research. You, uh, Brian at least breaks down fights. Right. How much of his, how much of a game plan do you take from the Leo Santa Cruz fights, where he was the bigger man like you? Uh, right. He's. You could argue both you guys have the same kind of style in terms of you bring a lot of pressure. You are constantly in in the face. How much do you look at that and go, okay, if I do this, this is how I, I can beat Carl Franklin? You know, that's that's a very good point. Um, we looked at we looked at that fight, those both those fights, especially on the second one. Um, and you know, I see at times that he could be frustrated when, like, like in the second Leo fight when he wasn't getting his way. On the inside, because Leo actually um, came back and fought a smarter fight, which was, you know, just to be composed. Um, yes, he did bring pressure when um, Carl um, was trying to retreat, but for the most part, you know, Leo was composed and he just boxed. And um, I think that that's what, obviously one of my strong points. And I have to mention, I am a, um, I'm a softball, and we all know uh, for the most part, you know, softballs that are skillful can give, you know, a lot of people. Um, Frustrations and, and and complications in the ring, but also you know look looked at it looked at his strength as well. You know I can't just focus on you know, for the most part any any smart fighter doesn't doesn't focus on just their their losses or where they look bad. You got to also focus on his strengths. And if, as you know with my team, Brian McIntyre, um, Terrence Crawford, Red Spikes, Isai Udiegues, um, and others. I'm sorry. I know we're don't, don't need to no, then, you know, I, yeah, we, well, I know you guys look at everything, you break it down, there's a science to it. I'm guessing, as you said, you guys have this plan from both the Worthington, you know, the Worthington fight and also the Santa Cruz fight. You go, okay, right. X plus B equals C. Right. Um, you know, those are very entertaining fights, matter of fact. Um, the Warrington one fight, especially. Um, you know, he 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 does he does show that he can be hurt. Even though at times, you know, Carl can put out there as, um, you know, as he's indestructible, you know, indestructible <laughs> in some situations. But, um, you know, he has a big heart. He has a heart of a champion. And, I, and that's, what I, that's, that's what, I mean, what I mean by one of his strengths, of course, because um, in the Warrington fight, I believe in the, in the second and third round, you know, he was stunned and hurt badly. But, you know, like a true champion, he fought back. So those, those are things I look out for as well, because, you know, you, um, they always say, a wounded animal is sometimes gonna be a dangerous animal. And um, that's why, I, and you know, like with my team, we just wanna um, focus solely on every aspect that, that we could, every scenario that we can possibly imagine going on in that fight. We don't wanna obviously, you know, we don't want to um, overload and, um, you know, and clutter our minds with things, but we wanna take the best aspects of um, Carl Frampton out there um, put it together for a game plan and just follow and just follow it with fight night. And more importantly, you know, when we get in there, we want to see which which version of himself he brings so we can um, make adjustments on on the fly. How tough is this, how tough is it for this fight planning for everything in terms of as we said, it's it's a new world, it's a COVID world. So you're gonna now fly out there earlier. You or I'm guessing wherever you'll stay, you'll be you'll be quarantined that right. you won't be able to you know go out and take a run. You'll you know work out the the area of a hotel, you'll get your meals in the hotel. You've done it before, but how frustrating is it when 
it changes everything because you can't just say, you know, decide, all right, you know, I want to get a nice, you know, early run in the morning or maybe at night. Everything is now much more scripted, much more right. almost regulated because of COVID. Um, you know, I'm not so frustrated. If anything, I think it kind of, uh, if you really look at it, it's kind of um, takes away, if you look at it from a, um, from his standpoint, much of the advantage because at one point in time, you know, the fight, I agreed to actually go to Belfast, Ireland, which is his hometown, and, you know, fight in his backyard. And, you know, now he doesn't have that advantage. He doesn't have that crowd. He doesn't have that atmosphere um, that basically help him and, and push him throughout throughout the fight in the rounds. Even in even in um, London, I, I agreed to come to London before I even knew there was going to be a bubble. Still thinking that, um, you know, ho well, hoping at least that I would get some type of crowd, um, you know, just, just to – just to feel a little bit of that that UK atmosphere that I that I that I always wanted to experience as a professional. Of course, we all know I was a 2012 Olympian, being over there, and I, and I got to experience that. But for me, you know, I'm right now I'm in the mountains in in Colorado Springs, and you know when, when the snows when the snows heavily out here, we use um you know our workout um machines here, which is the treadmill. We have a treadmill in indoors, so. It's not so much of a, you know, that's gonna bother me in terms of me getting my getting my work out of him because I'm gonna have my team. Um, I'm fine if I have to use the treadmill, you know, just to cut off the those extra few, the extra few pounds or so. But I think if anything, um, it, it, it's a kind of more of, of a disadvantage for him because he has even said in the past that you know fighting fighting in the bubble from his last fight, it kind of it kind of takes that um that extra flair. At, at a, um, out of his um, you know, the way he go, the way he feels about going into a fight. We go back to this fight a bit first. Take us back to your last fight. It was uh, last fall. It was September, I believe, fifth. It was you right. versus Okendo. It was not what you wanted. And how frustrating was it when, as somebody said, you come for a boxing match and instead it's a wrestling fight where he's throwing headbutts. He's coming in. He's making a dirty fight and you're trying hard not to just go, you know, I can really just punch him really hard in the balls, maybe once, <laughs> twice, three times, maybe by accident. Oh, you know, that, you know, that was a very, a very frustrating times. Um, mainly because like, like you pointed out earlier, the world we live in, you know, I would just, I would just, you know, fighting the, um, you know, the COVID-19 situation in my own, my own body. And even though I, I came back with a negative test for that fight, you know, my body still wasn't fully healed and, that was taking a toll on me. Of course, the frustration of the type of opponent I was dealing with was taking a toll on me. Um, and it, it was just a lot, but, and not to mention, I think for that fight, I started training in literally the end of April. And just because of all the setbacks and the fight being pushed back, we got in the ring September 5th. And now, so that was really pretty much a long training camp. Cause even when I caught the virus, I couldn't go home. Cause I, I didn't want to risk, you know, getting, you know, getting my family sick. So I had to stay where I was at. And on top of that, a lot of people don't know, even during the times when I was on um, those two weeks of quarantine, I was still trying, I still had to maintain my weight and things of that nature. So, you know, when I, when I could, I would go outside by myself, secluded from the rest of my team. And I would just, you know, try to run, jog, do whatever I could to, just to stay in shape. So it was definitely just a frustrating time for me. And, and it didn't go the way I, that I wanted it to. But you know, when I went home after that fight, I actually got to just to rest, um, enjoy life again, and spend time with my family. And then when I came back to camp for, you know, for the fight that I finally wanted, I came back with um, more of a sense of urgency and um, redemption going into this fight. So I actually feel a lot better 
both mentally and physically. And I'm just, you know, I'm just happy just to finally get what, I, what I've been asked for for over, an, over a year now. If you're just tuning in, once again, we got Jamel Herring here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, COVID. We're talking Carl Frampton. We're talking traveling. As he gets ready to defend his title once again, February, uh, February 27th. I'm, I'm watching the highlights again of the Okendo fight. And there's this one moment. I'm guessing you even can remember. It's third round. He's trying, you know, it's. He's coming in there, and it's just a beautiful textbook left uppercut right on the button. He goes down. That's something that's new. That's something, you know, but let's say before, you know, you got with McIntyre, you weren't throwing as much. Now it's become a weapon where you dropped him. That, that changed the fight. That changed the momentum. How nice is it that, as you said, you know, all, all this stuff is now becoming like brushing your teeth. You know, it's no longer you're thinking about. It, you're just doing it, right? Oh yeah, uh, you know, with a team, with a team, the, the like the one I have now, you you start, you actually become um, more comfortable. So you actually believe more in your team, and and like I say, whatever they say, um, for the most part, you you believe, you believe and go with, you believe and go with because you have that, you have that trust, and um, like I said, it becomes second nature because over time, you know, I've like I've grown around these men. And, you know, from like, even in camp, like we actually live in the same household. So, you know, we, we all, you know, became one big family. So of course, you know, just like everything that we, that we work on, it, it becomes natural. Then when you also add the, um, you know, add the factor of, of Terrence Crawford being around you and in camp as well, helping and pushing you, you know, that definitely um, boosts your confidence. And so when you go into the fight, you always take everything that you've gone through during those camps into that fight. And it becomes nat more, more natural each and every fight. It's funny, we had Abel Ramos on the show, and one of the things he said you guys do now is that he's never done is swimming. You do a lot of that, a lot of yeah. new age. Uh, like, what are some of the things that, that you've been doing more now in training camp that you never did before? Um, yes, yeah, definitely swimming is one of them. And a lot of people don't know, we actually do an activity every day of the week. Not so much to where we're, like, overtraining, but we always keep our body going. And um, our, our mind sharp. Like today for um Sunday, like every Sunday we do the um Colorado Springs the incline. And incline is about over like eight thousand feet in elevation, but it's just climbing stairs. That's all it is. But it actually it's a it's a serious it's a, it's a good workout. You know, it definitely works your legs. It definitely opens your lungs. And so you get you, you know you're, you're getting that um that high altitude training in in your system. Even though it's, it's supposed to be a, a a a smooth day, you're still getting some type of workout in. And, and um, so that definitely that definitely plays a big part, and that's one element that I didn't have in my last fight, you know, because everything was basically shut down. We couldn't really, you know, get the training that we needed. So, but but this fight, we made sure that we went back to, like I said, those old elements that got me that world title to begin with, which is training out in Colorado Springs and high elevation. How tough has it been for Jamel Herring, the father, you know, the husband, when? All this is going on with COVID. Kids won't go outside to play. Can't do that. You know, it's been right. it's to wear masks. You know, you want to go out to me, take your wife to dinner. Can't do that because a lot of restaurants are shut down. I mean, how much at times did you have to put on, you know, the brave face, be the be the responsible one, not only at home, but also with your other family, with Jim, all the other fighters who train with you when I'm guessing at times you're freaking out, you're getting pissed. It's like, okay, when is this gonna be get back to normal? When can we go back to normal? And yet you gotta be the adult. You gotta set the table, as they say. It's definitely yeah. I mean, it's definitely frustrating. It's, but I think 
I kind of eased it out, eased it, you know, ease things on in my life with my family because we realize we realize and understand that we're not the only ones who's going through this. You know, the entire world is going through this. But um, you know, we just try to make the most of it. We don't like even in last year during 2020, it was a rough year for everybody. I still made the most of it. Um, with my partner, um, um, Jerry Casares out in LA, we started our own company, which is First to Fight Management, you know, to help move fighters even during the pandemic, because we we knew like the little, the little promoters, they couldn't basically, um, you know, they, they couldn't work and, and get things done because, you know, they depend on ticket sales and such things like that. And when you can't have attendance, it's kind of hard for you to, to maneuver. So for these younger fighters, my idea was to try to get these younger fighters in, in the door with the big promoters like Golden Boy, Top Rank, um, working alongside MTK Global, just to, you know, get these guys going and moving and to see and, and to see them make the most of their careers instead of being stagnant. So, you know, for the most part, I, I just, I, for the, during the pandemic, I just, I just held my, I just held my head up high and just, you know, roll with the punches and kept moving forward by any means. And, you know, here we are now, hopefully things will start to um, smooth out for everyone across the globe. But, you know, I, I, even as a father, you know, I actually used that time at home because we couldn't go too many places, but, you know, our, the bond at home grew a lot stronger because, you know, I got to spend more time with them in, in the household during, like, especially after my last fight with Okendo, you know, and we just, you know, we had a great time. I, I even went home a little bit for Christmas break just to spend time with, with my kids and my wife and just um and just have, have fun, and we made the most of it. It all comes back down once again, February 27th. It's one thing to be a champion. It's another thing to be happy a champion, have a a big name on your resume. This is a big name. You beat him. We're talking more unification fights. We're talking bigger paydays. We're talking possibly even, you know, pay-per-view fight, maybe with Miguel Burtek, maybe even go up in weight class, take on, you know, another, you know, top fighter here. But you got to get through Carl Frampton. Right. How, how tough is it sometimes, you know, focusing just on a fight, not thinking, well, what might happen, what could happen, all these possibilities that if you beat him, the door, the key to them is all, all yours. Oh yeah, of course. We we you have to look at at times of a huge victory here would definitely lead to a lot of big things. But for the most part, if you look at it, Chris, this is actually you know one of those big moments that I've been working for anyway. So you know I'm definitely fully focused on this fight because this here is is a huge fight. But of course, I mean, once you get once you have a victory from one big fight, of course, bigger things come. But you know the the fight with Frampton is is, is a big fight for me now. And I'm just grateful and I'm honored to be, you know, a part of this. Cause you know, Chris, from just from my past, just maybe say like a few years ago, nobody really cared to see what I was doing or who I was fighting next. You know, I had, I had to work my way up and, you know, now I'm finally getting the recognition that I, that I've been working for and I'm grateful for it. But of course, yeah, I'm a huge fight here, but definitely open, opening gateways for bigger things. But right now this is my moment and you can hear it in my voice. I'm really excited for it. Jamal Herring, ladies and gentlemen, once again, he'll be fighting. It's going to be February 27th, only on ESPN over in London, UK, or looking forward to it here. Jamal, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where's the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Um, fans can hit me up at, it's very simple, at Jamel Herring on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Um, also, look out for, look out for the, um, some of the guys that, I, that I'm mentoring and managing from Michael Gamble, Micaiah Krebs, um, Misiel Lopez, 
look out for my guy, um, Bubakar, my, my, my main man, Bubakar, still over here, and the rest of the gang. But um, yeah, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm honored. And I'm definitely looking forward to February 27th. Uh, Chris, you know, it's always an honor speaking with you. You have been very um, supportive throughout the years. And like I said, anytime you need me, man, I'm here. It's been a pleasure. I'm, pleasure's always mine. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's going to be London, February 27th for the WBO Junior Lightweight Championship. I give you once again, Semper Fi, Jamel Herring. Uh, we come back. Got a whole lot more here. Final thoughts on last call. Last call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire. How's that? Only on final thoughts of last call, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. I want to thank once again my wonderful guests, two inspirational gentlemen. Uh, first, Jared Gordon is going to be fighting once again UFC Fight Night. Looking to see him back in action. Well, last year he went through a lot and even more than I could. I think anybody can handle him yet. I can tip my hat off to him. And then February twenty seventh is going to be Jamel Herring once again. Thank him. Thank him for joining the show as he will be fighting. Carl Frampton in a major fight. I'm looking forward to it. It's something that's been on his mind, a lot of people's minds, and well, it's probably one of the best evenly matched fights that right now of 2021. We're going to switch our topics to this weekend's PBC on Fox, and I usually do the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to recap the fights, and there was some good. There was some, there was some pretty bad. There was a whole lot of ugly. Let's go to the good. Uh, Caleb Plant, you know, it's a good number for him. 1.6 million tuning in. Caleb Truex doesn't bring much to the table. You look at the rest of the fights, and they're okay. And this is something that I'm going to get onto later on with all of boxing promoters because you only are sometimes going to draw as well as your card. And when you don't have much, you're relying on a main event between, in this case, title defense, but one guy who had never really beaten it, who was one in seven against top ten opponents. Caleb, you know, most people thought was gonna was a very big favorite going into this fight. I would have loved to have seen a knockout. That I wish he did, but that's not Caleb Plant's style. He's never gonna be the knockout puncher. He he is simply a guy who likes to outbox you. He's gonna stick to his plan. I don't know how they'll do against Canel Alvarez. That's a whole different story for a different day, but this, the number for what they got on Fox, it's a pretty good number. And 
They have to be happy about that. Plus, you have two prospects here, Joey Spencer and Michael Coffey, both winning by knockout. Michael Coffey forgot to probably move faster than they'd like, simply because at 35 years old, he's not your typical headweight prospect. This isn't a guy they can slowly build up. They'll probably have to move him quicker than usual, but he's big. He's in shape. He hits like a truck. This is a guy who, you know, can make noise at the heavyweight division, especially with outside of that top three of Fury, Wilder, and Joshua. Everybody else has tons of questions that still need to be answered. We'll find out that as it goes on. But as I said, it was that was a good part. The bad part, just too much mismatches. I mean, Joey Spencer versus Isaiah Sheldon was a mismatch on paper. It was a first-round knockout. Just, you know, you, you shouldn't have it on a, an opening fight for PBC on Fox. Then Darmani Rock, who looked like a pregnant woman with bigger boobs and, well, Dolly Parton against Michael Coffey. That was a three-round destruction. And as I said, once again, doesn't help. Truax versus Caleb Plant was 12 rounds of Caleb Plant just basically treating Truax like a like a heavy back. And the number is great. I get that there's, there's not a lot of big money, but you need to do better. You really need to do better if you're PBC on Fox, ESPN on top rank, uh, The Zone. You're trying to get people to tune in. You're trying to get people to literally sit there and go, okay, you know what? We, we're going to watch the TV show. We're going to follow this again. We're going to keep on tuning in because if you don't, people generally tune out. And last but not least, the ugly part, Isaiah Seldon should be blackballed from boxing. And if you didn't see it, he gets knocked down in the first round, first knockout, gets caught right in the button. And you can tell there was bad blood, but he got embarrassed. What he do? He basically gets up. He grabs Spencer by the collar, turns him around a bit, or himself around, and starts hitting him in the back of the head, clubbing shots, worse than rad punches. And he does it three times when the referee breaks him up, stops it, and gives him a two-point deduction. To me, that's an assault. I mean, you've, we've seen it enough. And if you don't know, Google Pritchard Cologne, what happens when guys get, get hit behind the head. And look, thankfully, Spencer knocks him out and gets him out of there. But it was just, that was a monkey. That was a guy who looked to try to cripple somebody. Not knock him out, not beat him up. He was looking to try to cripple the man in the ring. And you know what? That really doesn't have a place in this sport. So if if I'm California, I'm basically issuing a lifetime ban on Isaiah Seldon. I go, you know what? You can fight in the street for all we care, but you're not going to do this in the ring because that was just uncalled for, and you can't have that in this sport. But as I said, it was the ugliest part of the whole weekend. We got to wrap this up. Once again, for Jamel Herring, for Jared Gordon, this is Chris Conner saying I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action for only on. It is... Last call, only on, it is Blue Wire Hustle Network. I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action, only on Blue Wire Hustle Network.